0: It's wonderful to always talk about the Word of God. There's many of you in the audience I know who have spent time preaching the gospel, and it's just a wonderful thing. And the greatest thing is that I know that whatever lack I have as a speaker, if you'll take the Word of God and look at it and think about the things we're going to point out, the prayer that was just said will be fulfilled, whether I say something that's understandable or not. God's word is the truth whereby you can be saved. Because it tells you about God. It's the revelation of God and his will for you. It tells you about his son and the plan that he had for your salvation through his son. And it's brought to you by the agency of his Holy Spirit who was sent by the Son when he ascended into heaven. That you can know the truth, and you can be free of your sins. Now, that may not sound like a whole lot, but as we sang in a number of the songs this morning, it's all about eternity and where we'll spend eternity. Today I'm going to talk a little bit about the parables and how Jesus taught in parables. But before we get to that, I just want to lay down a few things that I'd like for us to consider as kind of background. First of all, Jesus wants all men to be saved. He says that in a number of scriptures. It's said by the Holy Spirit through the apostles and through the prophets. God wants all men to be saved. But you know, there's a number of other scriptures that tell us that all men are not going to be saved. Jesus himself said that many will not enter in. So how do we balance that? How do we understand why? Jesus came and paid this great price. The Father sent his only begotten Son to die cruelly at the hand of man. To be the Passover sacrifice for our sins, to die for us, and yet, even with that great price paid, everyone is not going to be saved. Why? We can look in Second Peter chapter three and verse nine, a very familiar passage to, I'm sure most of us in the audience. 2 Peter 3 and verse 9. The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. God doesn't wish for any to perish. He's paid the price. In Titus chapter 2. We're told that the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to some of us. That's not what it says. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. And that grace of God is available for all men. So why is it that some will not be saved? Well, I'm going to submit to you today that there is a reason. And that reason is there is a price that God will not pay. Now, hopefully you're sitting there saying, "Now, wait a minute. You just talked about God's price in sending his son. He paid that cost. That was a tremendous cost. How many of you would give your son for anybody if you have a son? I have. A son by the flesh, and three sons by marriage, and a parcel of grandsons. and I just don't know very many people that I like well enough to give any of them for. Much less giving them for somebody that doesn't like me. And God gave His Son for people that don't like Him. But there's a price that God is not going to pay. And that price is truth. That price is his righteousness. He will not give up truth in order to save any man. And you might say, well, that's obvious. And it should be. But that's what people, that's what we ask God to do. Many times If you listen to not only what is about us in in the sectarian world, but you listen to ourselves and our thoughts and our wishes and the way we act, the way we practice our lives. Sometimes we're asking God, just ignore your truth and give me a pass. God, don't expect me to try really hard. Just give me a pass. You might say, well, that's what grace is all about. Well, I'm going to point out in our lesson about the parables today that it isn't. At least that's what I'm going to submit to you to think about. God will not abandon his truth or his holy nature to save any man. Because then he would not be righteous. Keeping this in mind, let's consider that Jesus did teach in parables. Now, you may have heard it said, I know I've heard it said, and I may just be kind of different, but I've heard it said for a lot in my life that Jesus taught in parables because he was using earthly expressions, earthly stories, as analogies for spiritual lessons so that people could understand. So people could relate, well, we understand this, and, and oh, that's what he's talking about. You know, there's many parables. The kingdom of heaven is like, and then he'll tell a parable, it's, oh, I know about the kingdom of heaven. And so the, the presumption may be that Jesus taught in parables to make his teaching easier to understand. But you know, there's some things about Jesus' ministry, if you study the Gospels, if you spend time in the Gospels, you'll find that uh, Jesus didn't often do that. He didn't often make things easy. I think of John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, we have John's record of the feeding of the 5,000. This great miracle. And then we have him going into the synagogue and everything. And then then these, these multitudes are following Jesus. So here's Jesus. You know, he's an itinerant. That means traveling. Preacher. He's a traveling teacher. And he's got these crowds just come to him. He can't find any peace. He can't find a... Any in downtime, we find that he, he goes off and, and has to pray all night long up on the mountain to be where he can be with God. Because when he comes anywhere else, people just flock to him. They'll go around the sea. He tries to sail off and leave them. They go around the sea to find him. They're constantly after him because he's healing the sick. He's casting out demons. He's feeding them. And he's talking with one with authority. He's teaching them the things of God. But in John chapter 6, he's got this great following, this great church built. Joel Osteen would would just be happy to have that. Well, you might say number-wise he does. There's a difference between Joel Osteen and... Jesus in John chapter six. Joel Olstein preaches. You can watch him on TV, and he preaches with. I think they count their congregation about sixty-five thousand people in the extended congregation now. And he's got the best smile dentistry can produce, and he uses it. And he talks. He does have some, but biblical. That's, he uses the scriptures, but it's scriptures to make you just feel good. It just makes you feel wonderful about the grace of God, and everything. well, isn't that what the grace of God's all about? But Jesus in John chapter six has this great multitude of people around him, and they've been seeking him and they're after him. And you know what he does? He turns around and he teaches a lesson to them that causes them all to leave. He runs them off. He talks about them having to eat his flesh and drink his blood, which you know for a Jew that's kind of that's a little extreme here. You know, that that's wait a minute, that's not a parable. We don't do that kind of stuff. What are you talking about? They leave. And he turns around at the end of that chapter, and I would like to look at verse sixty six where he turns around to the disciples. Now, the disciples are not part of the crowd. They're they're special folks because they've been following them all over the the land. In John chapter 6 and verse 66, as a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew. This isn't just the crowd. Many of the disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. Jesus said to the twelve, You do not want to go away also, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Now, the point that I'm really trying to emphasize for us is Jesus didn't play to the crowd. Jesus didn't tickle ears. Jesus didn't. Teach things that were easy. He didn't teach things that were just for making you feel good. It's not feel-good religion when Jesus is teaching. Jesus taught truth. And so when Peter confesses Him, where would we go? We have believed that you are one, the Son of God. You have the words of eternal life. So whatever you say is important. We don't get it most of the time, Lord. You think Peter could have added that? Well, if you read the Gospels, you know that he could have and he could have been truthful because most of the time they didn't get it. But they didn't leave. They didn't leave when the going got hard, when the teaching got hard to understand, when the application got difficult. When Jesus said, oh, ye of little faith, you know, most of the time when he says that, he's talking to the twelve. When they wake him up in the boat in the storm, you remember, he says, Why are you worried? Oh, Lord, there's this great storm out here. He had just fed the 5,000. And they're in a storm on the sea with the Son of God. So he calms the sea, the wind. Why were you worried? Oh, ye of little faith. As we approach Christ today, sometimes we want easier answers. Jesus is the same today as he was then. The Scriptures as revealed to us by the Holy Spirit and, and, and are put together, so we have actually the after Jesus' death, which is a great benefit to us, which they didn't have at the time he said John 6, so we have a little bit of explanation. But the Word of God is not going to draw all men. Why? Let's go back to our reading this morning in Matthew chapter 13 and let's consider the parable of the sower. This is probably one of the most familiar parables that that we have. And it's a cornerstone parable. It's, it's a foundational parable. But there's a couple of things that, that we need to know about. One, we need to notice that the passages that we are most familiar with many times have the most to teach us. Because we think we already know them, so we don't plumb the depths. We don't look freshly at them. Oh, I already know the parable of the story. Yeah, I I know about the ground. I know about how the seed works. Yeah, I know about the rocky places and the thorns. Why can't you tell me about it? Well, Jesus had a lot to say about this. At the end of the parable itself, in verse 9... We have one of the major keys to the whole understanding of my lesson today. Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. The folks in John chapter 6 who left and quit following after him didn't hear. You realize that Jesus says the same thing seven times in the book of Revelation, in the letters to the seven churches of Asia? As he dictates those letters to John. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Something to that. There's something to that here in this parable. Well, I want to read the rest of this section. So we'll start at verse 10 and read down through, beginning, we'll read through verse 17 and then we'll continue on. The disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? He said to them, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him shall more be given, and he shall have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing... They do not see, and while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, You will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull, and with their ears they scarcely hear. They have closed their eyes, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it. And to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Now what does that boil down to? It boils down to Jesus saying, I'm speaking to them in parables so they won't understand. What it boils down Well, Well, but, but Lord, that... Sounds like you're prejudiced against them. Yeah. But who's the them? People that don't want to hear. The people that want to hear what they want to hear. You catch that? The people that want to hear the things that they want to hear in the way that they want it and so... I'm teaching the truth the way they're not going to get it. They're not going to understand. Who's talking to Jesus right now in this section? The disciples. What did they do? They came to him and asked. They asked a question. Over in the book of Mark, he actually chastised them a little bit and says, do you not even understand this parable? How are you going to understand the other parables if you don't understand this one? Then he explains it to them. The thing that sets the disciples apart is they came to ask. Because these were hard teachings. They were hard to understand because Jesus taught them for the purpose of separating those who wanted to hear from those who wanted to hear what they wanted to hear. Jesus prays in the garden in John 17, Sanctify them in the truth, thy word is truth. Not all men are going to be sanctified in truth. Because all men are not going to be in truth. Well, let's look at the latter part of here. Let's look at Jesus' explanation of the sower. Beginning in verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what had been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom the seed was sown beside the road. The one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no firm root in himself. That is only temporary, and when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. The one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word and the worry of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. The one on whom seed was sown in the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirty. And you know the context here, Jesus is talking about in a very general, a general sense about the nature of people's hearts. And we understand that application, I think, since he explained it to us, he explained it to the disciples. But I want to submit to you to consider that this parable is applicable each time. The seed is sown. And it's applicable not just to the nature of your heart as you are in your life, but the nature of your heart as you sit here today versus sitting here last Sunday or next Sunday. As you were sitting in the Bible class earlier and discussing it and hearing the Word, or sitting here now as we talk about the Word. I want to submit to you to consider Jesus' explanation based on every time seed is sown to your heart. Not to your friend. Not to your friend. Not to the person sitting across the auditorium right now. You. Me. I'm I'm thinking about me. Have you ever found yourself in a situation when you're in the service, a Bible class or a, a, a teaching service, preaching service, and you're just kind of, you know, not getting it. You're just not really there. You're not hearing it. You know, you walk out the door and tell the preacher, good job. I don't know what you talk about, but that was great. But, you know, your, your mind is a thousand miles away or two miles away. You're just not there. Well, that's, that's the first ground that point in time, you're the path. You're the path. (laughs) That word's not penetrating and it's not going to bring any fruit. I've been there. But you know, there's other times when I'll be sitting at the front edge of my pew with my Bible and the person's teaching and it's just resonating and it's edifying and it's. It's building me up and I've just got a tremendous amount of zeal about it and everything and, and I'm just ready to take that lesson and go with it. And then, you know, we have to count the money for the collection after services and I gotta speak to people and I gotta get all the kids taken care of and then we gotta drive home and we gotta get lunch and and, 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 I remember I was really excited about that lesson. Can you see how that's that rocky ground? You know, it's got it's got a little man. It's ready to go, but you know, there's never any fruit. I want to spend more time on thorns. You ever just tangled up with life? I mean, there's there are those of you here today that are are grieving over the loss of a loved one, grieving over. Jimmy's illness, there are those of you here today that are probably stressed with other things of life. Debt, job issues, houses not selling issues, all kinds of issues of life that just encroach upon the teaching of Jesus to bring about fruit in our life. But I want to see a show of hands. How many of you deal on a weekly basis, daily or weekly basis, with sawbriers? Oh, okay. Just, just one. One hand. Two hands. Okay. Sawbriers. When I was growing up, we had a place out in the country and we'd go out there and I dealt with sawbriers every day I was out there. But, you know, but home in the city, there weren't many sawbriers. Invariably, when we teach about the Thorns in this parable. We talk about sawbriers or thorns because they're undesirable. You try to walk through the woods and there's they just grab you, and they're hard to get rid of. I'm going to tell you that just recently, as I was helping my wife prepare some uh, floral arrangements for our mothers and some other mothers, or for her mother and. Uh, some other mothers that were having lunch with us, we were we were doing something. It gave me a different thought about these thorns. I don't think I'll ever again use sawbriars. I think in our society, our thorns are roses. And we should think about roses. Because, you see, we were preparing flower arrangements and we had some roses that my dad had had. And, you know, they're beautiful roses and everything. But, you know, I was having to cut the thorns off of. And there was a lot of thorns on those roses. And even collecting them was hard. They're beautiful. They're wonderful. There's a step there. But they're thorny. But, you know, we ignore the thorns because we're going to stop and smell the roses because they just make us feel so good. Yeah, they've got thorns, but, you know, we can cut the thorns off. Yeah, they got thorns, but they look so pretty. They're so wonderful and everything. They're worth the scratches. And you know, I well, was really bad in our house in Alabama. I'd be driving along with the riding mower, and there's one of those climbing roses. And I guarantee you that that thing had its own motion. You know, it just reach out and grab me. You know, as I'm driving by, I have torn shirts from those roses. Well, what's your point? Well, my point is that we try to gloss over Jesus' teaching here by making it where, oh, we're not spending time with sawbriers. Sawbriars aren't getting in our way. We've got pretty rose blooms on all of ours. Yeah. Just think what I'm going to be able to do with my retirement plan. Some of you are retired. There's nothing wrong with a retirement plan. Unless you're ignoring the Lord to build it. Unless when the market goes that way, you're so consumed with what's happened to your retirement plan that you forget the Lord and focusing on His things and trusting in Him. Oh, what's going to happen? Our economy's crashing. I'd live for the Lord. That's what I'd recommend. Oh, our costs are going up. It's going to be $4 gas, yeah? What are you going to spend your gas money for? When gas gets to four or five dollars a gallon, what are you gonna spend your gas money for? Are you still gonna to come to services? Are you gonna go do things for people that need to take care of? Or oh, I gotta to go to work. Well I gotta get the kids soccer. I gotta get this done. I gotta get that done. What's your priority? Watch first, where are your thorns? You're gonna put your priority on the thing you like the most, even if it has thorns. Because most of the time we quit thinking about the things of the Lord. That's the problem with the thorns. They choke out the Lord. They take us away from the Lord. They take us from the things of His teaching and following in His way. Well, then there's that ground that's good ground. You know, sometimes probably every one of us have had a lesson that we've we've heard. Well, that makes sense. That's edifying, that's encouraging, and we go do something with it. And it produces fruit. That Fruit might be studying more regularly, praying more regularly, doing good works for others more regularly, teaching the Word to others more regularly, shining up our example before others so that we quit some of our bad behavior, whatever it may be. You know, there may be a lesson that helps us get there, and it produces fruit. Today's may not be one of those for you. I realize that. But don't let it be because of the lack of the speaker. Don't let your lacking to have fruit from this lesson, from the parable of Sower, be because of any of the lacks of this speaker. And there are plenty. You've got a Bible. If you don't, They'll give you one here. Take and read Matthew 13. And look at this parable and say, where am I? Where am I today? And you know, am I one of those people that Jesus was talking about that He talked in parables so that I wouldn't understand because I really don't want to hear? Is that me? Oh, no, it can't be me. Look, I'm at church. That's not a real good indicator, my friend. You may be at church because you had good godly parents that taught you that this is what you need to do and you just did it. You're here. Well, this is just, you've been doing this for decades. You just, well, what else would you do? You got a pattern established. That's, it's good to have patterns established. But are you here to hear? Are you here to listen? Where would you be if you'd been in that group in John chapter 6? If you'd eaten that miraculous meal, if you'd heard that teaching, and then Jesus on top of it looks at you and says, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Where would you be? Where would you be if you were the disciples? And you've left your home, you've left your family, you've left your business to follow Jesus and walk all over the country, to have people like you and people really not like you, to deal with demons, to deal with all these sick people, to deal with Samaritans, to just deal with all kinds of people. Where would you be if Jesus turned around on one of those days and said, Joel, oh, you of little faith. Where would you be? Would you be back at home? He said, that's why we've got to answer today. Am I pruning my rose bushes to make them look really good? Or am I coming to God to hear so that I can be whole? My friend, Jesus wants you to be saved. No matter what your life throws at you. And life is going to throw bad things at you. Life's going to throw tough things at you. Life's going to throw things at you that you just don't want to deal with. Jesus wants you to be saved. He came and He died. So that you can be. And He gave you His Word. It's hard sometimes. Sometimes it's hard to understand. Sometimes it's hard just to say but I really want to go this way. And the Lord says, no, this is my way. This little narrow path. This difficult path. Not that big interstate highway over there. You know, you would think that that would be one of the greatest illustrations for us in Matthew. You know, the broad way and the narrow way. I mean, I, I live that every day going from Franklin to... Spring Hill, you know, there's the big highway out there, and there's the little highway. Jonathan and I were up in Nashville the other day, and Joellen and Whitney are in another car, and they, we're going down the interstate, and we're towing Barnes's trailer with a big pile of flooring on it. And they call us and say, well, the interstate's stopping up at Moore's Lane, so we got off at Concord Road. Now I don't know a lot about it, but I knew that Highway 31 was to the west of us, so I went over there got on highway 31. I thought, well, I don't know what the traffic will be like, but you know, we'll we'll eventually get there. It'll be easier with this load. We beat them to Spring Hill. We didn't have any traffic stops at all. You know, sometimes we ignore the Lord's way because, man, there's this great, big, nice... Look, everybody's going this way. That's, that might be a good reason to get off and try an alternate route when everybody's going a particular way. Hear the Lord. Because there's one thing about every one of us here that's of an accountable age. We've sinned before God. And we're lost except for Jesus Christ. He came to teach us these things so that we don't have to stay that way. He wants you to be saved. Will you hear Him? Will you let that seed enter your heart and bring forth fruit of repentance Turning away from your old life and following Him to eternity.